some Bible passages contain hard teachings. They're difficult to consume. One of them that is deeply controversial and something I'm still trying to wrap my head around is submission. Wives submitting to husbands. Because in America, we've been raised, I think, at least in my generation, that submission is such a terrible thing that a wife would submit to a husband. But the other side of this is never told. How is the husband to respond? And how is the husband to lead? This is a really difficult Bible passage. And thank goodness, though, in America, we've got some very intelligent women to look up to as role models. When I was a little girl, I was told at the beach, if I dug a hole deep enough, we would reach China. So we've always felt a connection there. That's not racist, by the way. You recommended family separation. I recommend a zero tolerance. Which includes family separation. The same as is whenever a U.S. citizen parent gets arrested when they're with a child. <laughs> That's a great point. So let's look at this passage and let's look at what's happened in American society after the great liberation of women. Because what if I told you that that hasn't brought happiness to women? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. That show makes me nervous. This one, really nervous, because I happen to really like strong, independent women. And the best bosses I've had, at least for me, have usually been strong, independent women. And I think that as I become discipled and really begin to understand, no, let me say it this way, really begin to listen to the Bible. And, and that's a different way to put it. I don't listen to books on tape. It's just, it doesn't appeal to me. A lot of young people, a lot of my friends who are younger than me, um, they're all about the books on tape. Um, I so prefer reading because I feel it's a different, I, th I feel that we, um, ingest information differently upon reading. I think it activates a different part of our brain, but that's just me. And that's just, you know, people my age. So when I read the Bible and I listen to it and I have it in context and with enough now time spent in God's word and with people who understand God's word so much better than I do and who speak about it in daily life, and, and this is a major difference in a discipled community and a non-discipled community. In discipled communities, we actually talk about the Bible. We actually talk about God's word in our daily lives as it affects our daily lives. You know, I had a, a good time this week. I went to do a workout with an old friend. And this guy is... Uh, when he decides to start training in CrossFit, he will dominate it. So athletically talented, so strong, uh, super talented wrestler, um, national, you know, champion level wrestler in college, four years. So thank goodness he <laughs> not trained for this. Thank goodness. But afterwards, he and I spoke about the word of God. And we spoke about how God works in our lives. And I was telling a story about something that happened in the gym and it contained profanity. And I was quoting the profanity and I said, hey, I'm sorry for the language. He goes, no, I get it. You're telling a story. And we're told not to be profane. We're told not to curse. So there's this big difference in reading the Bible and listening to it and then in acting it out and in abiding and when you're in a community of Christians who actually live to the Bible, it's very much like, I mean, if you think about, you think about traffic, you think about traffic in a big city, 
you're talking to a friend of yours and let's say they live across town and hey, you know what? I got to head home tonight. Do I take the 405? Oh, no. Oh gosh, never take the 405. No, no, no. I, I, anytime past 3.30 in the afternoon, don't take the 405. Let me show you another cutoff and a way to get there. In fact, you might even be best off, and this sounds weird, but you might even be best off going around the back way and I can show you that. And there's this way through Black Diamond and well, but I got to get to the, uh, I got to get to Eastern Washington. Right, right, right. That's why I'm going to take you through this Black Diamond route. Don't even touch the, F, the 405. Don't even think about that. And you think about these traffic directions, that's sort of similar to the way it is in a discipled community. So when we get down to this hard teaching that women are to submit to their husbands, it's almost like traffic directing, but it's very complicated because you're talking about human lives and intellect. It's a hard teaching. And the God of the universe is a God of order. And the God of the universe, he didn't create, um, he didn't create foods that you can't tell what they are. That's not what the God of the universe did. I, I am so fond of this example. Uh, there was a scientist who was curious about foods. And when a food was so processed that it ceased to be food, See, one of the reasons that we have put on so much fat as a society is the processing of foods. And I know when I was, I had 150 pounds of extra fat sagging around my middle and around my chest. And you know how it goes. Um, it was a result of convenience eating and then way overeating. It's so easy to overeat um, convenience foods because they're so processed. So this, the scientific thing this guy did was fascinating. It involved monkeys and fruit. And then I'll tell you about it in a second here. So when I took off this weight, the, the fat, I really forsake, forsook, all right, processed foods to the degree that I can. And I live by this rule that the further away from the source the food is, the, the, the more likely it is to be processed. Or let me say it this way, the more wrapping it needs, the more container it needs. The more container and wrapping it needs, the higher processed it is. A food that you can grab and eat is almost always better than a food that you have to unwrap, right? Not that you can grab and eat a cow, but you see what I'm saying. So the scientist did this test and he gave monkeys fruit and they obviously ate the fruit. Then he sliced the fruit up. Okay. They ate the fruit. They sliced it up. Uh, he put it in a puree. Okay. It's fruit. They, they, you know, used their fingers to serve themselves and ate it. Um, then he put it in a pie. Okay, not much sugar, some pie. Okay. Then he, <laughs> he, gave, them, he gave them a hostess, quote, fruit pies. <laughs> and the monkeys didn't recognize it as food. They, they threw it at each other. They painted with it. They did other gross things with it. But it wasn't food. Well, it's not. So the fat that you have around your middle or on your chest or back, wherever it resides with you, a lot of this came from the decision to have convenience foods. And look, we saw the TV ads. We were victimized. We're victims. We're not victims. We control this. My friends at Soda Weight Loss, they'll reverse it. They'll reverse the addiction to processed foods. When you get done dropping the unwanted fat from your body, I don't think you're going to like processed foods very much. It's sodaweightloss.com. I have loved ones on it, dear ones to me, closest people on earth to me. Sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. We have so many vital and great examples of strong female leadership, particularly from the Democrat Party. I went to law school with him. Mm -hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, <laughs> grievance, anger. That's Hillary Clinton doing the angry black man bit about Clarence Thomas. You remember when that used to be racist to do the angry black man bit about Clarence Thomas? And then you have a black woman, except she's not black. She's actually an Indian American, but, you know, she could identify. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. 
and it is an alliance that is strong and enduring. <laughs> she doesn't even know the words escaping her mouth. That's just why this is a difficult topic for me. Because the women I've worked with, my last boss in radio, Kathy, I, I think she's a great boss in many ways. Right? I think she's in a really tough circumstance. Let me rephrase that. I think she's a great boss in a really tough circumstance. Um, prior to that, I had a boss named Joanne who changed my life. Truly, financially, she changed my life. And she showed me what a tough woman who is a righteous woman at work. I don't know a thing about Joanne's spiritual life, but a righteous woman at work is like, it was a blessing, absolute blessing. So this is a tough teaching for me. But I use that scenario of traffic. We all know traffic if you live in the city or like, I mean, it happens here too. You got a whole bunch of construction going on in North Idaho. So there's people using routes they've never used. And I had to teach someone, a brother the other day about a, a, a route through the mountains to skip the traffic. So that traffic direction. If we regard God as who he is, which is the king of the universe, the designer and maker of all things, then why wouldn't we regard him as the guy who is the traffic master of all things? Why wouldn't we regard him as the entity who has the solution to disorder? So we'll turn to God in all sorts of ways. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. So when we get to husbands, or pardon me, wives submit to husbands, why then do we go, oh, well, God, no, I, Lord, nah. -uh. I mean, if you look at the admonition against adultery, well, that was a very foreign thing in the time that the God of the universe spoke that, those words to Moses, and he communicated that. That was a very foreign thing, that, that you're putting a limit on our fleshly desire? What? I don't get to go have sex with whomever I like? No. No, no, no. In fact, you don't get to do that until you're married. One man, one woman. So at that time, that had to be a shock. Well, what about all these sex parties we like to have? No, nah, can't do that. And life runs in cycles and the world runs in cycles. And there's always, always an insistence that disorder is better than order. This is from Pink News, uh, which is a, a publication for same-sex attracted people and men who pretend to be women. And this is way back in 2018, written by a woman, I assume, named B. Mitchell. Headline, why can't gay or lesbian twins have sex with or marry each other? Why is incest wrong between same-sex siblings? Do you notice the question here is not incest. It's, but, but why is it wrong between same-sex siblings? And the point of which being it can't lead to pregnancy because they're same-sex, don't you know? So we were told that, that incest is wrong because it can lead to malformation of the human form. And we get that, the genetic poisoning that, and, and the genetic, uh, the, what is it, cul-de-sac, dead end, which can end the species and really screw people up. So the point of the article is, but why? Well, because it's disordered. When you cross lines that ought not be crossed, for instance, in driving and traffic, I remember, man, I remember this clear as it was an hour ago. A circumstance arose where I had to take a emergency flight to go get my daughter out of a place. It was a camp and the camp turned out to be a utter disaster. And the guy who ran it should be in prison. And so my wife and my daughter agreed she was going to go to this camp. They paid. She went. I, you know, I'm not blaming anybody. It just happened. And so my wife couldn't go. I went. I jumped on a plane in two hours and flew all the way across the country uh, to this camp. And then I had to drive from Newark, New Jersey into the Adirondacks. And I remember like, okay, I've, I've been here a thousand times. I've driven in Manhattan. I've never driven in New Jersey. I got to be really careful here. And I plugged in my GPS from my phone. And then, then my phone, I didn't want my phone to die because it was a long drive. 
So I plugged my phone into the car system and I started to follow the directions. And I realized at one point, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, no, no, I'm getting up. No, not this bridge. And there's no way out. No, I know this is wrong. And then it took me into this neighborhood and then it had me circling around and I realized I'm in a, I'm in a criminal neighborhood. I, 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 I really realized, oh, oh my gosh, this isn't my GPS. This is, this is the, the program to dress. So it turns out that the person who rented the car before me was probably a drug dealer. Absolute disorder. So I unplug this and think, oh my gosh, now I, I don't know how I'm going to keep my phone charged, but now I've got to somehow make it to the Adirondacks and, and it was a longer drive. Disorder does that. So you end up with these cross lines. So to answer this question, why don't we encourage sisters to have sexual relationships with sisters and brothers with brothers? Because the God of the universe created relationships and then designed, described what those relationships are to be like. Because if you have sister sleeping with sister, then it's not far off. Then you could ask the same question. Well, why can't a mom sleep with a, with a daughter? Why can't that happen? Because it crosses a line that ought not be crossed because it introduces psychological disorder. And not to mention the fact that it is sin and it's a grievous sin and it introduces then spiritual disorder. Because then parent is no longer parent, sister is no longer sister. You no longer have lines and relationships where sisters do not want that. You do not want the motive of that sort of behavior to exist within a sisterly relationship because the motives are wrong. The jealousies are wrong. The, the, the prohibition that, hey, you can't go have a boyfriend. What are you talking about? I, I, I'm going to have kids now. No, no, no. That, and, and now this history exists. So that's all very clear, right? So then when we get to the biblical prohibition, it's not a prohibition, a biblical recipe, design, direction, traffic direction in the home. Well, now I bring to this my baggage. My mom couldn't follow my dad because they got divorced. So my mom led the household. And yeah, she married a couple of guys and, and one of them was a good guy. Well, he became a good guy when he, when they got, when they got together, he wasn't a good guy, but he became a good guy. The other guy was never a good guy. He was a, he was a rotten person to begin with. And of course he was a non-entity in the household, which created all this disorder. Because here I am 17, nearly 18 years old. And occasionally this guy would try to throw his weight around. I'm like, buddy, what are you talking about? You know, go back into the corner and drink your alcohol. And it created that disorder. So here's one of the instances of the Bible describing marriage. And, and this is so, so challenging. As I read this, I think of female friends who are powerful and independent and strong women. And I think of them. And I think of things they've shared with me, like the, the, the sadness that they aren't, aren't allowed to preach. In church, they can teach, but not preach. And I listened to this and my response is something I learned from a friend of mine who's much wiser than his years and saying, I don't understand it. I just know it's the word of God. I don't understand it. I don't know why. I just know it's traffic like, like this. Why don't you take the 405? Well, I don't because I know at 330 that the, uh, the, the S curves that have been straightened out a little bit now are a nightmare. I know that the HOV lean fills up. It's, there's no point. I know there's a Seahawks game tonight and a Mariners game. Don't go downtown. Whatever you do, don't go downtown. I know that because I know the city. God knows this because he knows us. This is from Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Um, pardon me. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husband, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church to make her holy cleansing or uh, cleansing her by washing the water through her uh, the word 
to present her, um, her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each of you, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's interesting. Wives respect husband's love. It's a tough teaching. But even in here, even in there embedded in that is a sign of how disordered the world has become as we stepped away from the word of God. It's embedded in there. Something about bodies. So what does this all mean and how can we view this? At least my testimony, because I'm not qualified to preach, but testimony, I can give testimony. The uh, people at Bulwark Capital Management, this is interesting because they have a relationship at work too. So you know about my brother, Zach Abraham, who comes on the show every Friday. He's the chief investment officer there. His wife is the chief operating officer. And so Zach is a discipled Christian man and the head of his household. And at business, he's the chief investment officer. He makes the calls about uh, the investments and the philosophy. It's Zach's philosophy that organizes Bulwark Capital Management around risk management. So while everyone else is pretending everything's okay, Zach has been saying, no, it's not. As And I don't want to bag on specific companies, but, you know, big, big investment companies pretending everything's fine. Zach has been saying for 10 years, are you kidding? We have basically 0% interest rate loans to mobbed up companies. And you think you're still telling your clients about the 60-40 stock bond mix? All right. Maybe if you're 40 years from retirement, 30 years from retirement, okay. But you're 15, 10, five years from retirement or in retirement. And you're still playing the 60-40 stock bond mix with all these changes in the world. All the illegalities in the rigged up financial system. No. So Bulwark Capital Management recognizes the system for what it is. Zach communicates that. And they put risk management at the center. His wife is the chief operating officer. So around the operations of the company. Well, she's the boss there. Zach makes that pretty clear. But when they go home, there's this order. Now, they have this working relationship at work. They respect each other at work. They respect each other in the house. And of course, they respect us in the way that they steward our money. Hey, if you're with one of the firms that pretends everything is okay, I question that wisdom. At least get in touch with Bulwark Capital Management and ask them to review your portfolio. Super easy. Call 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC, an SEC registered investment advisor. We really do have such very, very, very strong women, smart women in the Democrat Party. When I was a little girl. Oh, I played that one. This is a better one. China is one of the freest societies in the world. Don't take it from me. That's from Freedom House. (laughs) One of the freest societies, which is why apparently Nancy Pelosi still likes to dig her way to China. Then you have this beautiful moment. One of the spokesliers in the White House thinks a pipeline is a retail store. So you've heard us say this, that what, what we see Russia's doing, and we've been very clear about this, is that they're using energy, they're weaponizing energy, and it's choosing to, to one of the things that uh, has been out there to shut down the pipeline of Nordstrom 1. <laughs> the Nordstrom pipeline. Such a robust intellect. And incidentally, just this is a distraction, so limited. But notice how often they say, we've been clear. Notice how often they say, let me be clear. Notice how often they'll say the president was clear. Notice how often they'll say the White House has been clear on this. You know why they're doing that, right? 
because everybody understand it's a jumbled, disordered mess. Starting with the figurehead and then Cammy, which brings us back around to this tough topic. The women I know who are strong women and independent women, the women I know now also have strong husbands. And the women I know now who are strong and independent, the husband leads the household. But in the following way. If the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, what did Jesus Christ do for the church? He was tortured. They attempted to belittle him. He died a physical death for the church. Well, what became the church? The body of Christ. That was the founding of the church, if you like. The resurrection. And then the leaving behind of the Holy Spirit. He did that for the church. And we are as men to love our our wives in that very same way. Again, traffic directing. What is your job? To be willing to lay down your life for your wife. To be willing to go through torture. So I think sometimes of the jobs that some people want to pretend are jobs of the past, but they're not. I think of mining. And I've never mined, and so I don't mean to judge it because I have no grounding in this. But I think about mining from my perspective as a person who's been in mines, and I, that would freak me out. I, I would not be a successful miner. It would freak me out. I don't have phobias per se, but I will tell you, being in, beneath the earth that long and not seeing sun and knowing that this mountain could fall down on me at any minute, that's, that freaks me out. So maybe I do have a phobia. I mean, I can do it, but working there? I think about the men who went to the mines every day and their wives knew dang well what could happen. And when the alarm went off because there had been a collapse of a tunnel, all the wives knew. And you can repeat this across professions. I've talked often about my friend who was a cop, and every time he left the house, he loaned his kids money. You get that back when I come home. And then one day I told you that he didn't come home. And his son left that money in his cast or on his casket. Your dad, I owe you this. And it can be repeated uh, again. I think if a woman I know whose husband uh, did a bunch of tours of duty in, in combat in the sorts of tours of duty where she couldn't hear from him for two, three, four weeks. Hey, babe, I'm going to work. Going to be out of communication for a while. Four weeks. And I think of that act of men. And now, of course, these lines have been blurred and women are to do this and men who pretend to be women. And I think of this crossing of lines. But we do this for our wives and Christian men because we are told this is what you must be willing to do. This is if your cross is that you're a combat, um, uh, you know, a combat soldier, that's your cross. And in that world, as a combat soldier, your job is to create relationships with people and create connections and minister to them and hopefully disciple them. That's your primary duty in anything you do. That part's never discussed because it's been blurred. Because that line has been blurred. And so when women submit to their husbands, it is not, as I read this, as I'm thinking about the Lord Jesus, he never, never presented a, you know, a hand backhanding his, his, his disciples. Yeah, from time to time, he'd say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Or to the brothers of thunder, you're really going to want me to just destroy those guys because they tried to spit at me? You guys aren't ready for for the the power of the apostleship I'm going to give you. So he had those moments, but he was a gentle teacher. And when questions came up again and again and again, hey, who amongst us is going to be the greatest in heaven, Jesus? Who's going to be your boy? The Lord could have said, you idiots, I'm so sick of you. Shut up. He didn't. Truly, I tell you, to be first, you must be last. 
he demonstrated the sort of caring and leadership. That leadership was interactive. That leadership was respectful. That leadership was loving. That leadership was never boastful. That leadership was not proud. Never driven by anger. That leadership was expressed as love as a verb, which is the definition shared for us in the Bible. That's the model. The disciples submitting to Christ. You know, I told the story the other day about my friend who decided to be baptized again. Because now he understands what it is to love Jesus. And I think of the apostle uh, Peter when the Lord Jesus sat to wash their feet. And, the, and, and Peter said, no, Lord, no, certainly not. You're not going to wash my feet. And the Lord said, hey, listen, if you're not, I'm radically paraphrasing. If you can't let me wash your feet, then how are you going to follow me? And then Peter changed so dramatically. Okay, then Lord, wash my whole body too. Because now he understood. Like my friend who got, who got baptized again. Now he understands, oh, this is to love Jesus. Right? And there's nothing magical in the water, and there was nothing magical in the water with which Jesus washed the feet. The act was to show, this is me submitting. This is me humbling myself. So the twisting of these words of a wife submitting to her husband has been made to be this, this domineering, angry husband. No. That is not the godly model. It's traffic directing. And here's the thing that God knows about us. Someone has to be in charge or you have chaos. Someone has to make the tough calls. And sometimes they're wrong. You know, I've shared before, I should have listened to my wife about the pharmaceuticals that our daughter is doing a great job of getting off. My gut told me, don't do it, but my finances and my gosh, we're spending 30, 40,000 bucks a month. I can't sustain this. Okay, well, we'll do the the pharma. And you know what I think of pharma now. I should have listened to my wife. That was my failure of leadership. And sometimes leaders fail. But what's this all doing to women? Well, I said embedded in that statement, there was something there about the body. And it indicates how the society has become so utterly twisted. And it leads into what this is doing to women. There's a whole series of studies about the disorder that's been inserted into society that was offered up to women as liberation and the effect it's having on women. There is a difference, and this took me so long to figure out. I got a note from a longtime listener congratulating me on having graduated to good coffee. Richard wrote me a note. Congratulations on graduating to good coffee. Look at you going back to radio on your own terms at the national show. Look at you getting your growed up coffee. There is a real difference, and I want to talk to the people who have not yet tried Bonefrog. Maybe you're new to the podcast. Maybe you learned about us through Gab.com on our interview with the CEO, Andrew Torber. There. I'd love to talk with him again, by the way. Fascinating discussion. Maybe you learned about us, knew the recent relationship with the radio network. Well, welcome. If you've not tried Bonefrog Coffee, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the background of the company. You probably know that. You'll see it on the website, bonefrog.us. Know this. They're partners of the show. Know this. I'm drinking the medium roast this morning. Often it's the dark roast. Know this. I've got light roast out there called Zen Roast. Zen Frog. Pardon me. Zen Frog. Because Bone Frog. Um, That's sitting out there. And I will take that light coffee and I'll compare it to anyone else's medium coffee. Anywhere. Because of the taste and the robustness of this. And it goes down to the fact that there's a great story about Bone Frog. Go look at it on the website bonefrog.us but the coffee makes the makes the difference you get 5% off for lifetime on a subscription at bonefrog.us make sure you use the .us so for the folks who have not tried this here's my challenge to you buy one bag of bonefrog or k cup however you consume your coffee 
sit down in the morning or whenever you consume your coffee, drink the frog, drink what you're drinking now. And you come and tell me that small batch coffee created with loving attention to detail designed on often created in fact by coffee legend, Dave Stewart with the attention to detail you would expect. Well, uh, uh, I just about slipped of, of this company, given their background. It's bonefrog.us. Go learn about the story there. Try the coffee and then just make the decision based on that. Because if you don't like the coffee, I don't want you buying it. It's bonefrog.us. There is a series of reports and studies that show that the, um, the, 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 the word feminism as it's been sold to women in a modern sense, is not creating any form of happiness. I asked a friend of mine the other day, do you consider yourself a feminist? And she said, not in the term, not in the way that people apply it now. No, um, I, I, I consider myself a feminist in that I believe that women can be strong and I believe that women can do a lot of things. And I believe that women can do a lot of things that traditionally we, we were thought not to be able to do. Um, I respect women's intellects, et cetera, but no, I'm not a feminist in that I don't want to hate men because I don't. I'm not a feminist in that I want to uh, take the role of men because I don't, because I respect the role of men. See, when you think of the creation, and our, our, one of our pastors brought this up this weekend, you think of the creation of man and woman, and what God actually created is balance, um, completion. The, the addition of the part missing. That's, that's what he did. Well, if you're putting together a puzzle, you need directions or they need to be obvious. It's obvious to God that someone will lead or there will be disorder. Like I always say, there's no such thing as anarchy. Someone will seize control. And anarchists who you know, actually profess to be anarchists, well, what we're going to do is have no government and people are going to make their own decisions. No, you're not. Because it's going to become a strong man and a strong tribe of people. And they're going to go, my decision is you are our slaves. That's our decision. And guess what? We've got the power and the weapons and the willingness to use them. Or we can have order. And lead our households the way Christ led the disciples. Love our wives as Christ loved the church. You submit Wives in the way the disciples submitted to Christ. Now, I ain't no Jesus. I get that full on. But again, you can think of all the times. Christ lost followers when he talked of his body as a sacrifice, consuming the body and the blood. And there were people who said, oh, no, I'm not following you anymore. This is a hard teaching. I'm out. Well, the apostles stuck around. The core group stuck. Jesus tested it. This is a hard teaching. Are you going to let me lead? Well, it may not make sense, but yes, I'm going to make you, I'm going to let you lead because it's ordered. This is from an article, Zachary Porshue in The Federalist. And he uses the news hook of Blake Masters saying that women ought to be able to raise the family on one issue, on, on one single income. Pardon me, that families, that Americans ought to be able to raise a family on a single income. Most families, he said, would prefer to have one breadwinner and one parent stay at home with the kids, a phrase that strongly invokes the images of traditional gender roles. Yes, yes, it does. And of a biblical description. Now, see, this is where it gets really tricky for me. All the women I'm thinking about as I go through this work, and in fact, they're very successful. In fact, in each case, uh, they're women. It, it, well, no, there's a case, there's, a, there's a, a family member, but they're women I pay to do things, become friends of mine over the many years I've paid them. So this is where it gets tricky to me. I don't see the Bible saying women should not work. 
In fact, I see those who shall not work shall not eat. Or probably those who refuse to work will not eat. So I don't see any biblical prohibition against women working. But perhaps that's just me. So women are less happy in this modern construct. There is a wealth of data on this. Again, back to Zachary's piece in the Federalist. Objective data for this predicament of women being unhappy despite being liberated began to surface in 2009 when Betsy Stevenson and Justin Wolfers published a study entitled The Paradox of Declining Female Happiness. In it, these University of Pennsylvania researchers presented compelling data indicating that women's sense of happiness had been declining in an industrialized countries for the last 35 years, a conclusion shared by six other major studies across 35 developed countries, totaling more than 1.3 million participants. That's a, a large group and full-on statistically, statistically significant for sure. For comparison, the 1970s saw women as a group reporting a higher sense of happiness than men, but in the last three decades, that sense of well-being has steadily declined, both in absolute terms and relative to male happiness. Liberated women, so-called, liberated from what? Liberated from what? I would argue biblical restraints. Liberated from order, liberated from the directions from the being who made us, God Almighty, liberated from the Bible, liberated from the word of God. Well, men are happier. And to be crass and direct and rude when I was non-discipled and young. And didn't know the Lord, I was plenty happy there were some liberated women. Plenty happy. Because I was able to take advantage of that. I think that happens with a lot of men. And then we find out that's empty. Back to this piece. The drop in happiness is still present when other factors are controlled for. With children or without, married or unmarried, single or divorced, young or old, across all ethnicities, job types, and income levels, women are unhappy and they're getting unhappier. The data clashes with one of the most basic narratives of the 21st century, women's liberation. While it's true that women today are more educated, have access to more opportunities, and enjoy more freedom and happiness, that hasn't followed quite the opposite, but why? Well, why indeed? I would argue... For the same reason I was unhappy when I realized I was getting onto the wrong bridge. When I realized I have to go across the bridge. I have to go through the toll booth. Then I have to, ha- I have to figure out how to turn around. Then I have to go back through the toll booth. Then when I realized that this isn't even my GPS that's driving this. This is the car's GPS. And it's a saved address of probably a drug dealer's place. Then I was super unhappy. I wasn't listening to the directions. I had been deceived. Allowed myself to be deceived because I'd plugged my car and my phone into this stupid car that seized it and said, oh, you want our GPS? No, I wanted mine. Women have been deceived. Society has been deceived. You probably know the feeling. You, I, I talked the other day to a guy who got lost in the woods. He was out huckleberrying. That's a thing over here. That's you, you, you can say it that way. Huckleberrying. <laughs> ended up walking about 15 miles. Uh, no trails. Finally found a stream. And those enough about the woods. Okay, go downstream. <laughs> no water. So he's drinking from the stream. And, and you know that feeling of being lost? We're lost. So why are women, which women are happy? This is back to this piece in the Federalist. A number of studies suggest that married women in traditional gender roles report a higher sense of fulfillment. And those who aren't and that women are happier working part-time rather than pursuing careers. 
Couple with traditional gender, couples with traditional gender roles also appear to have more sex, according to several studies, while equalitarian relationships tend towards roommate-like behavior or sibling-like tonality to the relationship that undermines sexual desire. Order. A prescription. Or disorder. And here's the issue with order versus disorder is there's that saying where nothing is uh, prohibited, all is allowed. Well, here's an example of this. And in fact, there's, there's a bunch of these. I didn't get to this last hour, but there's this, um, there's this guy who pretends to be a woman and the way they communicate this is hilarious. This is hilarious. And conservative media, I, I need to start teaching classes with conservative media on how to talk about the transgender lie. This is, this is how they communicate this. First openly transgender army officer indicted for trying to give soldiers medical info to Russia. So this is a man who pretends to be a woman and to say openly transgender, number one, there's no such thing as transgender. No one was born in the wrong body. Number two, openly <laughs> transgenderism is a costume. That's different from gender dysphoria, which is a painful circumstance that used to be rare. Now it's being sold by Big Pharma. You know the story. I could, get, I, I could go way down the rat hole on this because you know how passionate I am about this topic. I won't. I will resist that instance or that, that instinct to do that. Openly transgender. Transgender is a costume. It's costume wearing. This is like saying the first uh, openly costumed Halloween door knocker. It's every bit the costume that this guy's, you know, uniform had been. So this person's name, Jamie Lee Henry, and his, quote, wife. Likes to dress in dresses. We're trying to give Russian diplomats medical information on our troops. There's no limit. All things are allowed. That dude puts on a dress and still looks very, and looks absolutely male, including the five o'clock shadow. But dang it, that's a transgendered woman. When everything is allowed, nothing is disallowed. Nothing is, and when everything's permitted, nothing is limited. Here's another. There is this guy who has decided to go steal women's uh, awards in a thing called disc golf. For the life of me, I don't know what disc golf is. I'm sure it's my loss. Um, this is um, it, this is just like the Leah Thomas instance. So this this guy's name is Natalie Ryan. This dude, obviously a dude who's racking up wins in disc golf. You see, this is the disorder. So you can have order or disorder, and disorder. What does it do? It metastasizes. So we go right back to this pink news thing. Why can't lesbian twins have sex with each other or marry each other? Why is incest wrong between same-sex siblings? Again, they're saying, well, pregnancy can't result. So why? Because it's disordered. Why? Because God created us and he knew. Why? Pay attention to the psychological results. You take a society where twin girls get married you have a society where there's no such thing as brothers and sisters. You then have in a society where love, which is already a hijacked word, where all of a sudden there are no barriers to this. Because when you cross that barrier now, as I said earlier, it's about moms and daughters. Well, why? They can't get pregnant. Disorder always increases. Anything that's disordered always increases until order is restored. How is it that women can be this unhappy? Because you were designed for something. You were designed to be loved the way Jesus loved the church. If there's something missing in you, it might be that you are not being loved in the way Jesus loves the church. That doesn't mean simply can't work. I see no biblical prohibition to this. Can't write books. Again, no biblical prohibition to this. I think of the characteristics that the Lord has painted on the women 
I'm thinking about my friends. And I think about the way they employ this. I think about my wife. Least likely person to succeed. Because in her upbringing, none of this modeling existed. And with her own father, quite the opposite. See, the world's become so disordered that biblical quote from Ephesians, Apostle Paul wrote, no one hates their own body. They don't. They didn't. They do now. Why? Because they've been taught to. I think of the disorder my wife came up through. There was, there was, there was, her, her father loved himself in the way that you would worship self, in the way that you would appoint self God, idol, and demonstrated the sort of selfishness that we see at the worst levels of government. And somehow, somehow my wife came through that and put up with me. I didn't know how to lead a family. Not in a godly way. It's been stolen from us. My interpretation of this, as I think about the characteristics of the women I know, and I think about empathy, and I think about creativity, and I think about intelligence, I think about fidelity, I think about commitment, I think about work ethic. Those qualities belong in a family setting as well. But then I think about this, that missing piece of the unhappiness of the women in all these studies, it's because we were built for perfection. You and I, all of us. And when we departed the garden, because we would not live with order, and it was one stinking thing, everything here is for you, except that. That one thing, what was it? The knowledge of good and evil. Because we can't consume it. Which is why we find ourselves in this circumstance now. If you hurt and you're a woman, are you being loved like Christ loves the church? If you're a man and your relationship is broken, do you love your life, your wife, like you love the church or like Christ loved the church rather? Is there an agreement about submission? Is there a modeling of leading your family the way Christ led the church? Wives, are you seeing that? If not, how do you get it back? Abide. Get into the word, get into a Christian community, and you too can go through a workout with a guy. And I I firmly guarantee this man is going to train now. I was talking about this earlier. I guarantee this man's going to train because he didn't do as well in that workout as he'd thought. In fact, not well, but he's tough and he finished. He's rock star. I guarantee he's going to train and now pummel me into a fine powder. But while he does it, we'll talk about the word of God. There is a difference to living in discipled communities. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and let's concentrate on abiding in the order created by the creator of the universe.